Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. As we come to the ministry of the word, I pray, Father, you give us hearing ears. A mind that understands. A spirit that receives it as food from the Father's table. For in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. For the word of God has power to heal. For your word says, I sent forth my word and healed you of your diseases. The word of God has the power to bring strength. For your word says, the word is strength to the whole man's body. The word of God has the power to cleanse our souls. For you said you are clean because of the word. Help us to receive the word you speak through human vessels. With reverence, with reverence, with meekness, so that it might work in us who believe. For it has the power to work in those who believe. Even this morning, Lord, help us to be still in thy house, in thy presence, putting aside everything else that distracts us. Help us to hear. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. For those who haven't joined lately, we've been looking at concepts from the word of God, connected with God and with man. We see in life that everybody looks for somebody they can trust with all their heart and love with all their heart. It's a very difficult combination. Blessed are those who find both. I'm one of those blessed. I have a wife I can trust and love with all my heart. You know why? Because she loves God with all her heart and all her strength. So I never have to fear anything from that side because all you need is a person who loves and trusts God. So that's what you need to look for in life. Somebody who loves God with all their heart and trusts God with all their heart. You don't have to understand everything about everybody. You don't have to understand everything about God. We'll be learning all through eternity. But as you study the word, as you study God moving in the lives of different people in history and especially in the Bible, you know, here is one person you can love him with all your heart because he loves us that way. We love him because he first loved us. And also you can trust him because God is not a man that he should lie. And God doesn't change. He's the rock. He doesn't change for anybody. Therefore, you can trust him. We've been also looking at a God who speaks. A God who speaks. He speaks to us in voices we are familiar and voices we trust. Not every familiar voice, but voices that are familiar and voices that we trust. So I believe he spoke to Samuel first in his mother Hannah's voice because she loved God and then he spoke to him in the high priest Eli's voice. That's when he heard him, heard God speaking. But again, like we looked at last Sunday, God speaking to us, his revelation to us because unless you communicate, nobody understands you. You understand another person only through communication. That's why Jesus is called the word of God. Not that literally he's printed pages, but he is the way God communicates to man or he is the only way we will get to know God. He is the way. That's why he said, I am the way to the father. 
meaning you will never know the father other through me because i am the way god communicates to flesh and blood that's why scripture says god became flesh and dwelt among us why did jesus become flesh and dwell among us not just for the atonement not just to save his people from the sin but also those who are saved might know what god is like what the father is like so unless we communicate you never get to know really the other person also if you don't communicate the other person also will not know how ignorant you are you didn't get it if you don't communicate the other person also will not know how much you don't know that's why god says in his scripture in his scripture he says even a fool is considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut so there is a god who speaks and there is a man who hears and subsequent to that god speaking to that man is connected to his obedience so revelation is progressive so many people have stopped in their journey with god because the last time they heard not heard they obeyed was long time ago and therefore god has ceased speaking to you he hasn't ceased but he has ceased speaking to you because his revelation is progressive so there is a god who speaks we found out last week to man there is a man who hears a man or a woman who hears the voice of god and then as he obeys you will see god commands those men he doesn't command everybody he can if he wants but he doesn't he only commands those who have learned to obey him by faith so we saw last sunday a man receiving this stunning command take your son your only son and take a three day journey and sacrifice him on one of the mountains that i show you and scripture says the next day morning abraham took off a man who hears and obeys the voice of god and then we also saw last sunday there is a son who obeys the voice of his father or mother who has heard and obeyed the voice of god so there is a isaac who will obey his father there is a samuel who will obey his mother and both parents have heard from god so there is a son and he will allow himself to be bound to the altar or to be bound to the will of his father because the father first binds himself to the will of god and then the son binds himself to the will of the father so in genesis 22 and verse 6 and 9 we see two pictures here and then we'll continue into today's teaching so abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together abraham let's for convenience sake think he could be 120 years old he had his son when he was 100 so if he's 120 years old isaac is 20 year old strapping young man strong man abraham is not carrying the wood because he's a old man his son is a strong man and the son strong young man is carrying the wood on his shoulders doesn't realize that wood is to for his own sacrifice and the father and the son go up the mountain it is not alone carrying the wood it's carrying the wood up a mountain and verse 9 
They came to the place which God had told him and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and built the altar, placed the wood and then he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. He bound. What kind of a young man would allow his father to bind him to the altar? What kind of a son? So today the, the message especially for young parents. All parents who have small kids. And all you young ones. And everyone who is young in the Lord. So practically it's for everybody. But parents with young children, small babies, learn from scripture. It's better late than never. Okay. So the question is, how do you rear a child, bring up a child that one day he may be bound to the will of God? Or he will bind his will to the will of God. How do you rear up a child? In Proverbs 16 and verse 32, scripture says, 16 and verse 32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So who is the champion here? Who is the hero here? Every great we read in history, Alexander the Great, every great, it's because they took cities and nations. But scriptures has something else. He says, greater champion is the man who has self-control than one who takes a city. Who has the power or his self, who knows how to restrain himself, the one who has self-control. Like I said in the beginning, this message is for everyone, but especially for young parents. Like we sang at the offertory, this is from a father, our heavenly father, who longs all those who have started this race to finish well. So always remember, God is for you. Self-control. The most important part in the rearing or bringing up of a child is developing his character. We don't realize that. We often forget that. Today all the emphasis is on learning different skills and cultivating the intellect. It is important as it involves the training of the mind and or the body. But often another part of the human soul is overlooked. That is the will. The will. For the intellect to be trained and the will to be untrained is ultimately dangerous for the child. For skills to be developed, yet the will not to be trained ruins ultimately the child when he grows up. How do you train the will of a child? Susanna Wesley, who had 18 children, and two of the most incredible sons she produced, we changed the world. She disciplined each of her children until their self-will was broken and their will was molded in the way she believed God wanted it. The wise parent will start when the child is an infant. In the training of the will. It's absolutely difficult in today's world. 
Because today the world is no longer black and white. It's gray. Not as the word of God shows as light and darkness. It is gray. Habits that become part of our character are because we practice them over and over again. Whether good or bad. Until our will gets bent in a particular way. Our wills gets bent in a particular way. If a child is made constantly to practice what is right, according to the word of God, whenever he is faced with decisions in life, when he grows up, he will automatically choose what is right. Because that is part of his character. That is part of the discipline that makes disciples out of followers of Christ. It's a constant practice. But sadly today, we are disciplined in our indiscipline. We are disciplined, but in indiscipline. The wise parent, the wise pastor, the wise coach, whatever, will produce proper decisions by constant repetition. The will has to be cultivated to make decisions by principles, righteous principles. Okay, get first the theory in place, then we'll go into the, the part of the word. But how does this happen? How does it happen? The most important part of developing the right character is developing of self-control. Note in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is the fruit which the Holy Spirit grows and matures in us. Begins with love and all these things in between and ends with self-control. There are so many people who truly love God. But God is hardly able to use them because they have no control over their self. Like we say the usual this thing, nut and bolt. The top part of the nut is the love. And everything else is in between. But what keeps it there so that it can mature as a person? It is the bolt. The self-control. And this doesn't come in easily. But all you parents who have small children, you have this incredible advantage. You have believing spouses. Father and mother believe. And therefore you can start early. What is self-control? It is the will, it is your will conquering attention or appetite. It is the appetite being satisfied only when the will allows. Not whenever the appetite wants. That's where will comes in, the self-control comes in. That's why we always see in the Bible fasting always was part and parcel of the saints of God in the old or the new. Why? Because fasting is one of the methods by which the will conquers the appetite. Rather than the appetite conquering the will. Are you getting the picture? Think about the little babies over here, starting with the smallest one onwards. When they are in the crib, when we are babies, we are small and when we put them in the crib, these days you get fancy stuff, but those days we cut and made and tied it with a string and hung it over his or her crib and when it moved, the baby kept looking at it. I forgot its name also, what they used to call it. Little birds and all we used to cut and make. 
But if you look at that baby, his will is a slave to what catches his eye. He's just a slave. If this moves there, he looks there. If it goes there, it looks there. Something brighter comes, he looks there. His will is a slave of whatever catches his attention. Self-control comes when the will takes over and decides what a person does. Unless righteous self-control is developed, a person will decide to do in life whatever is most attractive and most pleasant to the senses. Which will lead to shipwreck ultimately. There is a teaching of righteousness when he or she is small. And there is a training in righteousness till the will is bent in that direction. Will is bent in that direction. Imagine you leave church today after all pepped up because you loved the worship and the prayer was powerful and the word really pepped you up. And as you are going, you pass paradise. And in comes the smell of biryani. And before you know, you have parked your bike and there you are sitting with a plate piled with biryani and on top of that, there is that bottle of Coke. What happened? Something external is stronger than your will. You know you need to avoid rich food. You know you need to avoid carbonated drinks. But all that knowledge is of no use because your will is weak. Your appetite controls your will and not your will, your appetite. Because we are living in a generation of a set of young people who have access to knowledge, information, good or bad, like no generation before, with the weakest self-control. This is a generation who could be the greatest in God's kingdom because of what is available. Yet, how many will be? That's where the will comes. That's where I tell the young parents, train up your child. We say in scripture, train up the child in the way he or she should go. When he grows, they will not. Why? Why will they not depart from it? Because the will has been bent clearly through practice in the direction of God. But we don't train children anymore. We entertain them. Really? That's what we do. Something external when it becomes stronger than your will. If all your information is useless, it just remains as useless. How does an athlete, we just finished the Olympics in South America. How does an athlete overcome the temptations outside? He's faced with the same temptations, which everybody else is facing. Much more because he has also, if he's a good athlete, he also has the power, the money to satisfy those temptations. How does he overcome it? Simple. Because there is something inside that is more attractive. The satisfaction of making it to the team or getting the medal. That gives him more satisfaction than the momentary satisfaction that is offered, meaning have an ice cream, have a Coke. They won't. They won't. Because they know. Yes, I can have it. But it will take two seconds of that hundred meters. And two seconds can mean you may finish fifth. Okay? Something. But remember, the athlete or the student or everybody, 
These goals are temporal. They are very temporary. Once achieved, then the restraints are off. But not in the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, God, through Paul, uses the same illustration. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. He says, if you're running a race, run for what? Not to participate, to win. What's the point in going for an interview with a certificate saying, also participated? Will you show that certificate? No. But if you are first or you are a gold medal, you will show. He says, run in such a way as to obtain it. For everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, meaning he has control over all things. He exercises self-control. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. Even one of the athletes who got a medal in the Olympics sold it last week. It's a perishable crown. After some time, what does it mean? It means nothing. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we run for a crown that is imperishable, that will never fade forever and ever. We for an imperishable crown. Then verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it to subjection. Subjection to what? To my will. To my will. He says, I bring my body, I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Preaching is one thing. He says, crown is connected with finishing my personal race. So here he says, you know what? These athletes in this world, they discipline themselves for a temporal crown. Once the crown is got, they throw every restraint off. You saw the reports coming from the two of the greatest. You heard on Wednesday, Pastor Vijay say about Michael Phelps. After he got his 22 medals, what did he do? Usain Bolt, after he finished getting all his gold medals, what was the scene of him coming on internet? Which woman was he parting the whole night with? All the pictures coming. Why? Because all those restraints was for a temporary crown. Once the crown is at all restraint is gone. But we don't run for a temporary crown. We run for a imperishable crown. Therefore we teach everyone, run a race to get a crown that is eternal, that never fades. That's why the child of God, the saint in waiting, longs for the redemption of his body. He's waiting for the redemption of this body. The pleasure of self-control as you train your child must be greater in him than the pleasure of self-indulgence. The pleasure of self-control. That's why Proverbs 16.32 said, Greater is he who has control over his spirit than the one who has control over his city or a nation. Therefore, because we are looking at how do you bind a 20-year-old young man onto the altar when the father is unranked 20 years and so weak. How did this young man become like that? It is parenting. Character must be praised in a child than talent. Oh, let our ch- little children come and sing five verses from a nursery rhyme. We all clap. Listen to my child. We all did it, okay? We made everyone else also clap. 
Yet when the child wakes up early without fussing, we forget that deserves much more praise. Or helps in little things in the house, he or she need to be really be praised. Because those are things which will stand for good study in future and in eternity. Because one is talent. The other is an exercise of the will towards righteousness. When a child is praised for hard work and being honest more than the mark he or she gets. If only marks were to be to be appreciated, which is in schools, but not in church. If I were to tell in the church, everybody who's got above 90% stand up, two people will stand up and everybody will clap. What big, big deal is? Or on the other hand, in the church, I can tell you, everybody who wrote their exams without cheating, without helping, and worked hard through, I don't want to know your marks, stand up. That is commendation in the kingdom of God. That is commendation, not your marks. Because God has already seen the end. It's communism that says the end justifies the means, not God's scripture. Scripture says the means is more important than the end. Because we are building character. We are not looking for a result. Therefore, a child needs to be praised for hard work and being honest much more than the marks he or she gets. Never to sacrifice the future on the altar of the present. Don't sacrifice your future on the altar of the present. Meaning, don't take shortcuts. Don't take shortcuts. You're ultimately sacrificing your future. Because if you keep on taking unethical shortcuts, ultimately your will will be bent that way. And you will not be, even though you know in your head, yes, the first principle is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You're not able to really seek because your will is bent in the other way. That's how we were all naturally born. Nobody was naturally born with the nature inclined towards righteousness. We were born and burst in iniquity with our nature inclined towards unrighteousness. Like one old Malayali pastor said, let hundred sisters in the church come wearing roses on their hair and let there be one dead lizard over there. What will stink? That dead lizard stink is stronger than your hundred roses. Why? Because that's the nature of evil. You are bent towards evil than towards righteousness. Therefore God says, godly parents will start training their children right in the beginning to bend their will towards righteousness and not towards evil. And commend them, praise them, when they do things which are connected with righteousness. That's where the will comes. The will is developed, remember, the will is developed before knowledge comes. By the time a child is 6 years old, 7 years old, 10 years old, the will is already developed. Knowledge is only coming. How has the will developed? To rebel against the parents? To rebel against authority? To rebel against anything that is good. He has knowledge, but the will has already been trained in something else. So God says, the will is what is developed first. Therefore, train the will. That's why 
you young parents with babies, you can truly, truly raise them up in the ways of God. One, because you both are believing parents, so you have the same aim, same goal of glorifying God. And you're not looking for success in the world. Therefore, it becomes easier for you to train your child. Scripture says again and again, train your child, not entertain. But remember, it is the will that matters. In Matthew 26 and verse 41, this is what God says. Jesus himself says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed, indeed is willing. The spirit is willing. Oh, everything that I say, if you are a born again person, you like it. If you are not born again, your intellect enjoys it, approves it. But the problem is this. What is it? Your flesh is weak. Meaning your flesh, your will is weak. You know it's all correct what he is saying. But you realize my will is weak. Why is the flesh weak? Because of the will. The will has been turned and bent towards these things that give pleasure to the flesh. Listen to what is written about Jesus, the child. Jesus, the child. The little Jesus. Not fairy tales you find in comics, but what is hidden in scripture about Jesus when he was a child found in the book of Isaiah chapter 50. Verses 4 to 7. Isaiah 5-0 verses 4 to 7. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season. We all say, Lord, give me the word of the learned. Lord, give me the word of the learned so that I know how to speak in season and how not to speak in season. Meaning, it's discipline. But how did it come? A word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learner. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I was not rebellious. He says, I was not rebellious. Why is Jesus able to hear very clearly from the Holy Spirit as he is ministering? Go here, go there, do this, don't do that, heal that one whole. Because he has disciplined his ear to hearing the word of God right from childhood without being rebellious. Wake up, woke up. Go out, went out. Pray, pray. Worship, worship. He learned as a child to discipline. It begins there. He disciplined me. I was not rebellious. Nor did I turn away. Therefore now when he is 30 years old. He has the ear. And the tongue of the learner. Ear to hear very clearly. Holy Spirit say, go to bed Seda. Okay went to bed Seda. Only one man. Only one man. Heal him. Walk away. Very clearly. Why? Discipline. Discipline. The father when he sent his own son did not give him any other means that is available to us. He says your discipline. Your appetite should not decide your will. Your will should decide your appetite. Any child, any human being in the flesh, if you are asked to wake up in the morning, will say, no, five more minutes. Ten more minutes. Please, not Jesus. It is not even his father or mother who is waking him up. Who is waking him up? Just a gentle voice in his spirit. Wake up, son. Wake up. And he continued, even when he's with his disciples. Scripture will record over and over again. Early in the morning he arose. His disciples are all sleeping. They are not used to waking up. All sleeping. He wakes up. 
and he goes out. Why? Disciplined. That's where it begins. The Lord. And then, verse 6, I gave my back to those who struck me. By the time he's 30 years old, he is so disciplined in his will. Bent absolutely towards righteousness that when they beat him up, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheek to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Okay. Now, this is what I have to say. You need to read two accounts. When you read the account in Genesis about Joseph, scripture says Joseph was sold by his brothers. When you read the same record in the book of Psalms, its scripture will say it was God who sent him in chains. So there are two accounts, one from the spirit and one on earth. One on earth you see is the, the Judas betrayed Jesus. The soldiers came, arrested him. They beat him up. They mocked him up. But that's not what here Isaiah says. Isaiah says, I gave my back to them. What does it mean? I am God. One word, I am, they all fell flat under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. My father will send 12 legions of, I don't even have to raise a finger. My father will send 12 legions of angels to finish them off. But I have control over my will towards the righteous will of my father. I gave my back to be beaten. That's where the father led him. I gave my back. To who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard, I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. He stood there and took it. Because the father said, it is for this purpose and this reason I trained you. For the Lord will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. I will not be moved from the will of my father. There was another man who was bound to the altar by his father for 2,000 years earlier. There is the true son of God who is bound to the will of his father just like him saying, I will not. But how could he do this? Because it started early. It started early of training your will to obey God and not obey your senses and obey the cravings of the flesh or the voices in the world. Bend Towards righteousness. That's how great men in the kingdom of God are burst. A child needs a goal. Righteousness itself is a goal. It's a goal. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You teach your child righteousness itself is the goal. And if you run your race and complete it, you are promised the crown of righteousness. It's a goal. But is it what we seek in our children? In Daniel chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 scripture says, payday is coming, the big day. And many who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. That's when Jesus comes. It's judgment day. Finally judgment day is set. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever and ever. That is D-Day. That is the day we are looking for. Not like a temporary goal in the Olympics. No. That's not what you are looking at. Something much, much bigger that lasts for all of eternity. So every child needs a goal. Every person sitting here needs a goal. And the goal in the kingdom of God is, he said, seek my righteousness. Bend your will towards that. 
about Jesus scripture says he hated iniquity and loved righteousness. Therefore the Lord your God has anointed you more than your brethren. For the scepter of your kingdom, O Lord, is righteousness. To develop the will towards self-control, righteousness, righteousness, you need to understand deterrence or punishment is enjoined in scripture on one condition. The punishment should be a greater experience than the pleasure of breaking the rule. If you tell your little child who is quietly going, he knows, he has been told, quietly opening the fridge and stealing one chocolate and going like that. Hi Tommy, don't do that. He'll also laugh at you. Not again mommy. Next again he'll go back. Give him the spanking of his life. He will always think that chocolate is not worth it. It simply is not worth it. Deterrence. That's why we say in law, punishment should be on par with the crime. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It hurts and it has to hurt. Okay. The second part of deterrence is this. Now I'm talking to parents. Okay, I'm talking to parents. Deterrence is this and it works when your children are small and you love them and they love you. Love itself is a deterrence. Because you can't hurt if you don't love. And those who don't hurt, don't love. It's as simple as that. They don't love. That's why they don't hurt. It doesn't bother them hurting others because they don't love. That's why scripture says in the last day, the love of many shall grow. And what is the result? They start hurting everybody around. And they become selfish. They make their own decisions. They don't care what they do to others. You need to realize if you say, oh, the love of many shall grow cold. So what? Oh, the effect on the society is crime and violence. You see, when I was, I've told this earlier too. I was a guy who was regularly, consistently got spanked by my father. Wonderfully, he had one real good cane. Boy. Every week, practically, it was hardly any week. 52 weeks, I got it. Regularly. That's because all the other four were in the boarding school. I was the only buckra at home. Okay. One day, I got spanked by mistake for a crime I didn't do. Once, once my father made a mistake. Once. Usually every time he was right. That day he was wrong. And self-righteousness arose in me. And I ran from my home. I went. In Bhutan, okay, I ran. I walked and I walked and I walked and I saw a small little cave near the military training ground. I got into the cave and I fell asleep. My mother went crazy. Like a mad woman, she went to every house, every shop, everywhere crying, did you see my son, did you see my son, did you see my son? That's a mother. My father is very calm. Just because somebody is calm doesn't mean he's not hurting inside, okay? But he's calm, his reason. He just took his telephone, called up the bridge. The town, there is a big river and there is a bridge. He called up the bridge and says, if an Indian boy comes, just stop him. That's all. And he went back to his work. 
Because he knows there is only one exit. He can't go anywhere else. But I didn't go that side. I fell asleep. I slept for hours. Evening I woke up and I found where am I lying? I put my head out. I could hear this cry of my mother calling my name. And I looked through that. I saw her like a mad woman hair all apart crying and shouting. Then I said, Amma, I am here. Okay. And then she literally carried me home, shut me in a bathroom. And told, don't go to your father now. Right now, temper is up here. I'll tell you when, and I will tell you what to do. By evening, when he had calmed down, he said, she said, go to your father, fall at his feet and say, forgive me. I quickly ran to my father, fell at my feet and said, dad, forgive me. So he hugged me. But you know what? That's the only time I ran away from home. Because the pain I realized I caused them was a deterrent. Was a deterrent. And realized, you know, that day I decided, you know, whatever happens, one thing I'm not doing is I'm not running from home. Because that's one day I ran from home, I did a terrible thing and I never got beaten. But I didn't need a beating never to run from home again. Because I looked at them and I said, oh boy, I ain't doing that again. I ain't doing that again. So remember, there are deterrences in homes where there is love. One old pastor who died a long time ago in the US, he talks about when he was at school, when his progress report comes, one day in his progress report, there is this columns, no, and one column, you look at maths, English, physics, chemistry, all that, there is another called conduct. In that average was written, he said his mother cried and wept as if the world had ended. He was looking at her and he said she went berserk. She was crying through the day and night. He was crying. My son's conduct is bad at school. He said, that changed me. He said, I didn't want to see that again. He said, every time the report card was passed on, first thing I looked is, what has the teacher written on conduct? Not math. Because I can't bear my mother cry like that for two for two days. Is, are these the things that we look in our children? Oh, physics, music, tabla. This is what happened to David. Why did David not sin again? Because he saw the grief he actually caused God. He saw that. David was a man whom God loved. And David was a man who loved God. That is why he was restless. Which king would be restless for a simple thing like taking somebody's wife? Every king in history has taken it. They are not bothered about that. This man is restless, he's crying, his bed is full of tears, he's walking around absolutely miserable. Why? Because he knows one thing. I've hurt him. That's why he's crying. Don't take your joy from me. Don't take your salvation from me. Remember, deterrence, one with a physical punishment or whatever restrictions you give. Second is the deterrence of love. And God says, so that his will is bent towards self-control and not bent towards evil. A child should be taught no over and over and over and over again when it comes to certain things. Certain things that happened in my life 
and I know happen in great men of God. I've been reading about other men of God. How did they consistently become these great men of God? Not men of the world, men of God. They're this pastor whose mother, every day she would take a bottle and says, Son, imagine this is a bottle of beer. Do you want it? He would say, No. Do you want it? No. Little child. Do you want it? No. Do you want it? No. 20 times. Imagine it's a bottle of wine. Do you want it? No. Do you want it? No. Do you imagine it's a bottle of rum. Do you want it? No. As he grew up, it was bent in his will. Beer, wine, alcohol is no. When he grew up, it's very easy to say no because his bill had been bent that way. Cigarettes? No. Profanity? No. He used a word which is not there in the dictionary and unacceptable in the house. Old days, they washed your mouth with soap. They did. They did. Those words were not allowed. And they were very, very clear what they were putting into their children. Absolutely clear what they wanted in their children. Over and over and over and over you end for it. It's the same thing my mother told me and I small. You will never drink, okay? You will never drink, okay? You will never drink, okay? You will never drink. No, mama, no, I've seen enough. I'm not drinking. Never. And going that route at all. No drinking, no coke, no thumbs up, no carbonated drinks, just water. I'm fine. I'm okay with it. You see, it's so easy when you become a teenager and you have this crowd around you who thinks it is cool to do these things, but because your will has been bent in a way, even before you knew God, to say no. To say no. You see, we make our walk for our children with God when they actually are saved so much easier because we discipline them when they were young in the ways of God. But sometimes we forget what it's all about. Plutarch, how many of you know Plutarch? Anybody knows Plutarch? Okay, he was a philosopher. Great philosopher of the ancient Roman Greek age. He said, the people of Asia were conquered by Europe, by Alexander and the others, were conquered by lesser forces because they did not know how to say no. They did not know how to say no. You don't need a superior force to conquer a larger force. You just need a small disciplined force to conquer a massive force which is indisciplined. Look at scripture. Daniel chapter 5 verses 1 to 4 and then verse 30. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring gold and silver vessels which his father had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God which had been in Jerusalem and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and they praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood and stone. Sitting there drunk the whole lot. 
the vision of God comes, handwriting comes on the wall, comes, judgment is set, they are so drunk. So drunk. The greatest nation on earth, the most powerful empire on the most powerful man on earth then is not able to understand anything. What is, how does that chapter conclude with verse 30? 30? What does it say? 530? 30, 30, not 13, 30, 30. Then, no, 30, 5, 30. That very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain. That very night. Another guy was waiting, much disciplined. Darius came in through, killed him, and took over the empire. When you don't have self-control, when you don't have discipline, you may run for a season. Ultimately, you will fall apart. Ultimately. That's why God's children have to look at the race. It's a big, big race ahead of an eternal crown. Self-control in eating should be strongly emphasized from infancy. Parents are largely to be blamed for the appetites of their children. Instead of providing food on basis of nourishment, that is the strength of the body, we give them stuff that provokes and makes addicts out of them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, 10, 31, 1 Corinthians, this is what scripture says. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Really? Just look at your menu on your table when you go back home. Can you really glorify God with what you are eating and drinking? If your body, you truly believe what scripture says is the temple of the living God. Would you put bring that to the temple? Would you really rever this God? If you really believe your body is the temple of God? Somebody said breeders of racehorses and dogs pay more attention to their proper feeding than an average mother does with her children. Because the breeder knows if the horse has to be sold and win a race, he needs to be eaten properly, fed properly, and only things that nourishes and strengthens his body, and he doesn't give that horse or that dog anything else. What about the mother? Whatever is convenient, go to the supermarket, buy it, heat it, give it. There are people who take care of their dogs better. And God says children are a heritage from God. To be raised up, to be as arrows in the cure, in the hands of a mighty man, to be released when God needs them, so that they shall contend with his enemies at his gate. What are we raising? Do we understand the seriousness how God talks about righteousness in every area? Chickens in the poultry farms are fed more carefully than most children. Because it is profit. They know you can't feed them anything. You won't get any price. From early childhood, a child should be trained self-control in eating. Food for the body is like gasoline for the car. The body will know, know better, run no better than the fuel allows the car to do. What done? One does not buy petrol or gas for your car according to how it smells and how pretty it is. He buys it according to its performance. The 
the world will put all this advertisement with rich topping and cheese flowing and we go for it. Would you buy petrol that way? Why? Why not? Your car loves it. Add some sugar to your petrol. The car loves it. The engine won't start. Why? Because children need to, parents need to realize God's got a plan and purpose with your child. Train them up so that when the day and the hour comes, they will have a body that cooperates with the will of God. There is more. Why is this important? Because there is more to this than it meets the eye. Than health. The desire for food. The desire for food is one of the first appetites built in a child. If he learns to exercise self-control over it, then he learns to exercise self-control over other appetites because his self-control has been trained. That's the reason. Later he is going to struggle with other things like lust and bigger things. For everything, how you handle it is self-control, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But where does it begin? A baby is not struggling with lust. A baby is not struggling with pride. A baby is not struggling with jealousy. A baby is not struggling with anger. He's struggling with appetite. Learn him to control it there, God says. So he will learn how to exercise this same self-control in other areas. That's why it's so important. Instead, what do we do? We first destroy them with food. They have no control. Then they go up, they are destroyed in every area. So we teach them. Young parents, you, anybody who's sitting over here, it's not for condemnation. With Christ, you can start all over again today. Because he is for you and not against you. He is for you and not. Only it's a little more difficult. It will take a lot of fasting. But it is possible. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with him or her who believes. Because the child as he grows up will learn to master his own will with the help of the Holy Spirit in other areas too. You need to realize for a child, good food can be as delicious to the child as bad food. They don't know taste difference. I know when I was growing, I'm not growing up, when I was in college, university, I knew that my profs, children all drank milk without sugar. Now, I cannot drink tea without sugar. I cannot drink milk without sugar because we're used to sugar. But you can start a child without sugar. And sure, the process in which sugar is made, the process in which cocaine is made is identical. There's no difference. Only one thing kills faster. Child has no, you can train a child in healthy food and it is delicious for him. The way you can treat him with junk. They know, it's just a question of taste buds. Can be trained. It is not that a child is born craving for sugar. No, he isn't. You are craving for sugar, so you get them also into an addict. But with the children, you can. And you teach him. And you teach them. And you teach them very small. And also reinforce. This is no, 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 no. This is good, good, good. As they grow up and when they go out, they will know that is no, this is good. It's simple. And even if they try to break it, they always have guilt. That's why 
for my wedding at the toast. They gave me lime juice because they know I don't drink even wine. Then I won't. I won't break my rule. It's as simple as that. No way. I'll say, you are not getting it with me. You will not. I don't care how many thousands of people sit around me and drink. It's not going to move me. It's not. Because it's been ingrained deep inside. You do not change that. No. No thumbs up. No Coke. No Coca-Cola. No carbonated drinks. Nothing. Earlier it had a reason. Now it's absolutely different. Both are true. One was for my mother. The other is for my God. No way, Jose. I won't do it. I won't do it. It's as simple as that. But you can train your children too. And say that I am not going to do it. Second thing, Ephesians 5. Next next thing, not second. Ephesians 5.15. See then, I think verse 16 also. See then that you work, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Isn't that there? I thought it was. Yeah, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Time. Time. All struggle with time management. But everybody is given only 24 hours, right? Anybody who is successful was given 25? No. The one who failed, the one who passed, both got 24. Redeeming, but you have to redeem the time. Meaning it's put into your account. You cannot carry forward. It's not like accounts. You cannot carry it to the next day. You have to redeem it in that day. Every minute, every second. And you have to learn to walk circumspectly. Not as fools. Not as fools. I've given this illustration in church. What is walking circumspectly? It's like the cat walks on a hot roof. Have you seen the cat on this wall with glass pieces? We will not walk on it, but the cat does. How does it walk? Carefully. How did he manage? And he goes to the other end. The world is full of problems and temptations. God says, redeem the time and walk Carefully, avoid this, avoid this, avoid this, avoid this, but you need to keep moving. You cannot say, oh, the world is full of trouble and temptation, lust, I can, God says, keep moving. Keep moving, but walk circumspectly and don't lag behind. Redeem your time because time waits for no one. Time waits for no one. Being on time and not wasting time. Being on time and not wasting time. Lack of being prompt or lack of being punctual is actually stealing. It is stealing somebody else's time. If you told somebody, I will meet you at 10 and you came at 11, you took one hour off that man's life and you have to see it as stealing and not take it lightly because you can't give it back to him or her or your company or your school or your, to your parents above all to your God. It's stealing somebody else's time. It is also lying because it's a failure to keep a promise. You said, I will be there at 10. So you not only you stole, you lied. Did we ever think about not being punctual as such a serious thing in the kingdom of God? Even the men in the world knew it. Napoleon said, every moment lost is an opportunity for misfortune. Lord Nelson said, the reason for my success is this. I'm always ahead of time or on time. When Napoleon defeated the Austrian army, they asked him the reason for his success. He said, it's not because we are great. It's because the Austrian army doesn't know the value of five minutes. I was five minutes early. 
Matthew Henry, if I'm right, said, men who are habitually behind time are also behind success. That's why churches and our church should start on time. On time. Promptness is doing the duty now. It's doing a task on time. Exercise your will. It doesn't matter whether you derive pleasure from it or not. To be on time is righteous. To do and finish something on time is righteous in God's sight. Time. I could go on time alone. On time alone. Oh, how I could get this generation to move on time. Move on time. Churches, many churches have become like evangelical, evangelical crusades. You know what happens in a crusade or convention? It is for unbelievers. So without a crowd, there is no meaning. What's the point of calling this evangelist who will come and preach to one man sitting here, get saved? No. The idea is salvation. So what will happen? The worship team will go on. Sabhayogam armanika todagam. Meaning it will begin at six o'clock. People will come at eight for two hours worship, worship, worship. Everybody is tired. Why? Because nobody comes on time. Finally, 15 people are there and the meeting begins. Churches are also like that. But churches are for believers. It's not evangelism. People who are part of the kingdom, who knows how the kingdom operates and who knows the king is never late. Never. Never late. Ever late. It's a discipling process. Therefore, we don't start late and we will finish before 12. Three hours, 9 to 12 has been given to us and we will make full use of that three hours. We won't finish like at 11 o'clock and send you one hour early. For what? What will you do? I know what you will do outside. Better sit in the house of God and listen. Isn't it true? Don't tell me if we left you at 11, you will go to the corridor and kneel there and pray for... Oh, no, nobody does that. Oh. oh, we need time to fellowship. I've heard fellowship. Sister, where did you get these sandals from? Ah, oh, That is called fellowship in the church. Oh, you're new to Pata. It matches with your dress. Fellowship. For that, you need the word to come... Short. Oh, I ain't letting you off. Okay. Understand time. Redeem the time for the days are evil. Young people redeem. I look at this generation and I see them wasting their time on gadgets. Hours and hours and hours and hours. I thank God. My father taught me to read when I was young. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. Being able to read doesn't come naturally to anybody. That's why everybody likes watching movies. It's a discipline. First you need the discipline of reading. Then because you are godly parents, you also need to exercise, teach them to exercise self-control on what to read and what not to read. The second part my father never did. He said, read whatever you want. But he taught me how to read. He taught me how to read. He said, never waste time. Wherever you stand, do. He says, waiting for a bus, read. Sitting in the train, read. Whatever you do, he says, don't waste time, read. And a few years back, when I was in Bhutan, teaching at Bhutan, 
and I had to catch my college bus and I was sitting, the students were standing and I was reading. As usual, I had booked my book and I was reading. And then suddenly the police OC, the commissioner of police traffic Bhutan passed by and he slowed down and he waved at me and said, sir, he was my student from 10 years back. He said, sir, I got a book. I learned to read from you 10 years ago. I said, good for you. But reading as a discipline alone is not enough. You also need to know what to read. Otherwise, it will destroy your mind. Absolutely. 99% of the stuff that is published today is absolute garbage. With formants, rebellion, and sin. It's aimed towards that. 99 of the movies you watch are at fomenting rebellion and garbage. Most of the songs that is out in the world is fomenting rebellion in absolute carnality and sin. So you need to learn to listen. Listening is a skill. But you also need to exercise self-control as to what you will listen and what you will not listen. Reading is a skill. You have to get the discipline of reading and reading for long hours. But you also have to decide what will I read and what will I not read. So they are all connected. They are all connected. What will I watch and what will I not watch? Because there is this God who is more than willing to make overcomers out of us. But the question is, which way is our will bent? Which way is our will bent? That's what you have to ask. In the hallway of God's fame, hallway of God's fame in eternity, you will see. There were actually very few geniuses. But they are filled with men and women, simple, average men and women of character. And their loyalty to discipline. That's why God says in his word, very scripture, very clearly, he says, I don't call the wise. Very few wise. I don't call the rich. I don't call the poor places. I call the foolish and the weak and the simple things of the world so that by discipling them, they will stand before the powerful, the rich and confound them with their witness. Why? It's discipline. It's discipline. He disciples them. He disciplines them. Fills them with the Holy Spirit. And then he uses them. Man of character with average intelligence can do the work better than a genius. You know that? Better than a genius. Because, why? Because true character seeks talent. Whereas talent flees from character. Talent flees from character. Imagine, I was born. Five years, six years, I can play the guitar like a maestro. Oh, I can play the keyboard too. I'm, I'm a genius. Why do I need character? Why do I need discipline? On the other hand, I have this great longing to be a musician, but I'm not talented. You know what? I will learn to sit there and practice and practice and practice and practice. Discipline has come in character has come in because through hard work and with patience and with perseverance you got the fruit of your reward. Character seeks after talent. Talent doesn't seek after character. Daniel 1.8 Daniel 1.8 And Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank. 
She made one decision. It's a character decision. Where did this guy get this from? Which way did his father and mother bring him up? He is a slave. A thousand miles away from Jerusalem. Has a slave captive of the Babylonian emperor. And is being offered a position to be trained and enter the royal civil service. And you can eat from the king's table. The first decision he takes is a decision he has learned at home. I will not defile myself. I'm not going to drink coke. And I'm not going to eat pizza and burger. I'm going to eat what is my mother has taught me to eat. It's good for me. Because I may be a slave. My hands may be in chains. But my soul and my body belongs to the living God. It is his. What happens in verse 17? As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Character seeks and receives talent. Talent doesn't seek character. There have been many talented ones who came from the royal house of Judah. They said, okay, we are talented, we are smart. I knew the king would pick me for the royal service. I will eat whatever I want. After all, I am qualified. That's the problem. We take lightly the things which are important for God. Very, very important for God. In Daniel 12, verse 4 and verse 8 to 9. But you, Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And 8 to 9. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel. Go. What's happening here? So many people, once they have reached a position, I said, I reached my goal. Like Usain Bolt. I got my goal. And I don't think I'll be there in the next Olympics. It's okay. He throws all restraint off. This is genuine. The man is probably at least 90 years old. Still studying. And God said, enough Daniel. Enough. Shut the book. Enough. Character seeks talent. Seeks knowledge. Seeks equipping its skills over and over again. Because it's a part of your character. You never give up studying. And never stop being a student. This is the man at the end of his life. And God says, enough. I can't tell you anymore because it is closed for the last days. You cannot hear it now. Enough, Daniel. Do we see that? Let me ask you this question. Think about Samson. Think about Samson. Judges chapter 13, verses 24 and 25. Think about this man. Judges 13, 24 and 25. So the woman bore a child and called his name Samson and the child grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Oh, it's a little child. And the spirit of the Lord started moving upon him. Not in him, upon him. It's a difference. When the spirit of the Lord moves upon you, it's a talent that is being manifested. When the spirit of the Lord starts moving within you, it's character that is being displayed. Moving upon him. And everybody started looking at Samson and saying, wow, look at this fellow. Boy, he can lift this. He just need one fellow to remove the church. That's all you need as a little boy. He's talented. He's gifted. Wow, we would say, if he had seen Samson as a little child, he would have said, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Read the next verses in scripture. Chapter 14, 1 and 2. The next verses. 14, the next chapter, 1 and 2. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the 
Philistines. And he went up and told his father and mother saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. Did he have any self-control? Is his will bent towards righteousness or bent towards go his own way? Is he talented? Yes. Is he gifted? Yes. But is his will bent towards God? No. Look at the next verse if you want. Verse 3 also. 3 and 4. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistine? Samson said to his father, Get her for me. For she Does he listen to his parents? Gifted children don't listen to their parents. You know that? Because they think they are smarter than their parents. He doesn't. The difference between Daniel and Samson. Teach the child to do regularly so that when he grows up, he will do it habitually what he needs to do. A lot of people will say, when I get to be a man, I'm going to do this. Really? One boy told his father had come from hunting bears and he said, Daddy, when I grow up, I'm also going to hunt bears. He looked at the son and said, there are still little bears in the jungle. Want to come along? He said, no. All our dreams and big, big words. People don't want to struggle. They want to fight. And parents have a long way to go because they didn't mold them in the way. That's why I say, you have this awesome, awesome advantage that you have order in your home. I believe there is order in your home. Husband and wife both believe. There is order in this church. Christ is important and not the world. The world will not be preached at all in this church. If it is preached, it is to get out and not to get in. So you have this awesome advantage that you can train yourself as a child of God. You can train your children. So we started on Genesis 22. An old man and his son, 120 years old. Son is carrying this pack of wood on his shoulders. He allows his father to bind him to the son, to the altar. What kind of a son would allow his father to bind him to the altar to his will? Did God tell Isaac, Isaac, tomorrow morning, your father is going to take you on a three-day journey and offer you as a... Did he tell Isaac? No, he only told Abraham. And his father told him, we are going on a three-day journey. That was enough. The father told him, only we two are going up on the mountain. The servants are staying back. The father told him, you are the sacrifice. I need to tie you up. And he allowed. Why? Because his will had been bent towards the righteousness of his father and his mother. And he said, you can tie me up. Do you believe that God is for you? Therefore, I can bend my will consciously daily to the will of God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 7, scripture says, Hebrews 12, and you have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, God is saying, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Every son. Discipline is a part of God's process with his children. He's not saying he beats you up. No. But it's a chastening. 
to wake your child up when it is small every day regularly oh they will come and say no let the child sleep it needs 12 hours don't you see the dark patches nothing nobody has died of sleeping less people have died of sleeping more oh don't fast will affect your health no nobody has died of fasting people have died of feasting these are all bunkum you hear but you have to agree on this husband and wife if you are able to agree and raise your child up as the word of god which is truth you will have mighty warriors men and women in your home and you will teach them how to control other things in life because god says i am for you in verse 7 he says if you endure chastening meaning if you can come through this if you can endure through the chastening god deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom a father does not chasten i am not talking about disciplining for temporal gain verses 10 to 12 says something else it tells what god does for they indeed our fathers indeed for a few days chastened us and it seemed best to them but he for our profit that we may be partakers of what is holiness all the things which my father taught me was good good for the world If I had been in a secular service, it would have helped me. All that, redeem your time, all that is good. But that's what he thought. You do, do, do this thing, it's good for you in your life. But our heavenly father is not doing anything for a temporal thing. He says it's much more. That we may be partakers of his holiness. Still verse 12, verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it therefore now it's talking to the whole church strengthen strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees maybe you are not a child maybe you are a teenager maybe you are in your 40s maybe you are in your 60s god says it doesn't matter your hands are feeble your legs are feeble because you have been disciplined in indiscipline but says god is for you you can start all over again and say lord i need you i want to discipline my life I really really want to discipline my life so that when you call my body is cooperate you my will is bent towards you and not bent towards the world because the world is sinking whether you like it or not you are in the world and you are off the world you are destined for destruction as simple as that you don't have to do one thing about it you don't have to do one thing about it you will be destroyed the world has already been judged because the ruler of the world has been judged so god says come out and learn to be disciplined for a minute as we come winding up think of a bucket with 10 holes how much water can it hold it can hold water but it will all drain off how much water will be there till the level of the final hole that much water it will contain here is a god who says I will give you my spirit without measure. My question is how much of his spirit can you hold? How much self-control do you have? He says I'll give you my spirit without measure. He could give his son his spirit without measure because he was absolutely had self-control. He wouldn't lose even one ounce. 
Because Bill was bent towards the righteousness of God. Can you? Can you? Get a pay hike, take your money, go to the shopping mall and see if you can walk in and walk out without buying anything. Dreadful things which you did and you don't need. This is how people walk. What is this? I went to the supermarket yesterday. I had to buy one thing. I went there. They said, get the label. Came over there, three people. Then you know these new things you have to press. Press to say, very good service, good service. I put very bad. He looked at me like that. He said, you made me wait for ten minutes. Ten minutes. That's my time. It's Saturday. You don't know what I'm preparing the word of God. You took my ten minutes because you were sloppy. And you want me to go very good? And I'm looking at all the people. Where are you going to eat all this? You go to a shopping mall. How many clothes will you wear on your funeral? Your funeral, I'm asking you. How many clothes will you wear? I don't understand people. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers. Unbelievers, let them do whatever they want. We have nothing to teach them except please repent and get saved. After that, we will teach you. I'm talking about believers. Can you hold the spirit? Can you hold the spirit? Can you be disciplined by God, by your parents, or some godly authority God has placed on your life? Can you be disciplined? Can you be? Otherwise I am telling you, you don't have to look to your future. I will tell you what your future will be. Saved but lost. It's as simple as that. You will just come through the flames. Because scripture doesn't lie. That's why the record of all these people are written. Jacob had all his ten sons, to, including the eleventh one in his father-in-law's house with four wives. No control over his home. The father-in-law and his wives controlled the house. So ten were rogues. Absolute rogues, the first ten children. Did not honor the father, wouldn't listen to anything the father said. They had content for the father, including the first one sleeping with his father's concubine. That was the first ten. Joseph was born in the end and God said, get out of your father-in-law's house. Got him out of the father-in-law's house. And then you know what? His mother, this is a man with God's plan and it says, his mother is now going with her husband leaving her father-in-law who made her husband work like a slave for 14 years so that she could marry him. And how is she going? Hiding her father's idols. Her father's idol. God had a plan with Joseph. So he said, Rachel, you die. Because you come, you will make him also a rogue. You die. Joseph is the one Mentored by Jacob. He has learned the hard way. Jacob has learned the hard way. Real hard way. 20 years of humiliation. He has been disciplined. He passes that discipline on to Joseph. And 17 years old. We hear, start hearing the testimony of Joseph. Joseph here I am. That's his first response. Joseph here I am. Will you go? Yes father. He goes. We know the rest of his history. Here is a man 
sold as a slave on the block in Egypt, in Potiphar's palace. You know Egyptian palaces, Egyptian culture, wherever you enter, it is food, feasting and idol worship. In the middle of it, a young man walks with his eyes on God and his heart for God and serves with integrity because neither the idolatry of his mother affected him. The discipline his father had taught him stood him in good place on that day. Stood him. There's no father to correct him. There's no mother to correct him. No worship team, no preacher, nothing. That man is standing there as a rock in the midst of idolatry. Nothing touches him. Why? Because train up the child the way you want. When he grows up, he will not depart from it. That's the story in the Bible. You young people sitting over here, if you think all this is a pathway to a career, you have lost it. It's much, much, much bigger than this. Much bigger. God is preparing. Eyes haven't seen, no ears heard what God is preparing for those who love him. Not for a year, not for 10 years in an office, but for all of eternity. That's why he said the first thing, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Come under that order. In God's kingdom there is order. And seek his righteousness. All these things you're looking for will be added unto you. Don't bother about it. It will be given to you freely. Freely. Means to be run after all these things and we forget the most important thing. As we just touched a small part of disciplining children, we'll continue in the weeks to come. But this is disciplining for everybody. It's a choice you make. You don't have to change these choices. It's a choice you make. It's a choice you make for yourself. If you are not a child, if you are an adult, it's a choice you make for yourself because you know it is right. And nobody has to change you from it. You ask my wife. My refrigerator in my house is full of carbonated drinks. Five children. My wife. Full of greasy, healthy food. We tell her, all these years has she been able to change what I eat? No, you can't. You won't. You get me to drink it. You want me to get me to eat it. You know why? This body was surrendered to the Lord a long time ago. And I'm not going to change my diet. I will not. All the years I worked in underground churches, you ask them, I never ate from outside. I cooked on my own because I couldn't afford to fall ill because I took 14 services a week and 8 hours taught in the college. I couldn't afford to fall ill once. Because it was not one church. Sometimes it was up to eight churches I had to preach a week. Can I afford to fall ill? No, I cannot. So I cooked at 4.30 in the morning. Every day for two years. It's not a big thing. You think these are things. That's what I told Eric. Eric, Eric, you learned so many things from me. One thing you didn't learn. I told you every day. Learn to cook. Learn to cook. Learn to cook. Now what's happening to you? You have to eat wherever you go. Don't fall ill. Don't fall ill. It's not about health. I don't want to fall ill. Because imagine you have to take a pastor's convention and you have to run to that room 16 times. Think, that's what I see pastor. I tell them also. Don't I tell them? Here I am preaching and you're going there, coming back, going there, coming back, going there, coming back. What does it mean? No self-control. That's all it means. Habitual lack of control. 
The simple things. But you, the bigger cause is the kingdom of God. You look at that and say, you know, Lord, I ain't losing on small things. I'm losing on all small things. And if you have failed, it doesn't matter. One of the most powerful verses in the book of Acts is about David, a man who failed in many areas. Scripture says, he fulfilled God's purpose in his generation and died. Meaning he finished as an overcomer. He finished. So it doesn't matter how many times you have stumbled. You can start back again today and say, I'm getting back into discipline. The discipline of the spirit, the discipline of the soul, and the discipline of the body. Because there is one who said, he will sanctify you completely, spirit, soul, and body, so that when he comes, you stand before him blameless. Lord, check my body, no sugar. Check my body, no alcohol. Check my body, Lord, check my mind, I've cleansed it. No lies, no gossip, no slander, no deceit, no jealousy, no anger, no bitterness. Check, Lord, check, Lord, check. You do it, Lord. When you come, I want to stand before you blameless. That's what scripture promises. And he will say, enter into my joy. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Take charge of ten cities. Because you had control over your spirit. Now I give you control over cities. That's what we are running for. We are not running for anything temporary here. There is nothing here that matters when eternity begins with Christ. And it will begin very soon. God needs men and women of character. And the key is self-control. Learn. And it will begin when service finishes and you go out. Control your tongue, control your ear, and control your appetite. Don't eat like there is no tomorrow. Don't say whatever it comes into your mind. And don't listen to everything you shouldn't listen. And don't watch this week what you shouldn't be watching. Begin today. Amen? Shall we pray? Shall we stand? As we sing and as we close, remember what I said through the message over and over again. God is for you. God is for you. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with him or her who believes. If you're willing and obedient, scripture says in Isaiah 119, he says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Best of the land. Remember, always remember, he's for you. But take those little steps, one by one, little steps. So be it unto me According to your word According to your cross I can stand secure Call upon my heart The truth that sets me free According to your word, O Lord the second verse. You promise to carry our souls. Lord, we believe it's true. You promise an ending tomorrow. Yeah.
we are here we have heard the word of god we continue to meditate upon the word of god and learn from the lives of the men and women of god who have gone before us where they failed where they succeeded that young man maybe 18 or 19 years old we do not know who allowed his father to tie him up onto the altar so righteous so disciplined the man when he was 40 years old allowed his father to send his servant to pick a wife for him because he trusted and believed and obeyed the judgment of his righteous father and he allowed his father to choose his wife for him that man when his wife was barren fasted and prayed for 20 years without seeking the shortcuts of his forefathers waited until god answered and touched his wife's womb that young man that incredible man had one area where he tended to become weak he loved meat he loved food he loved flesh later in his life because he could not exercise self control over eating he would destroy his household one area one little area one little may look little today but one day what is little today in our eyes may destroy generations that comes Isa could control everything Isa could even allow his body to be tied to the altar but a day came when he was 138 years old when he will allow his flesh to bind him to a carnal son and was willing to disinherit the one God has chosen Rebecca who was found beautiful and pure and chosen by God was willing to subvert authority in her house and fool her husband and Jacob was willing to stand before his father a blind father and lie to him and steal the blessings that was rightfully his what a mess all because of one thing at their hour of need none of them were able to exercise control over their selves therefore the bible says the fruit of the holy spirit begins with love but it is sealed and kept through self control discipline yourself starting today start putting away things that bind your flesh to this world your mind to this world because the judgment of the world is very close and to his people god says come come flee out of babylon for in one day in one day babylon will be destroyed in one day not two days one day flee come out father this morning we come to you as your children 
old and young, but all your children. And I pray, Father, that we would understand the chastening hand of God over lives. It's because you love us. You are chastening us. You are discipling us. You are disciplining us so that, oh God, we would be a people who know how to exercise the fruit of the spirit of control so that we can be mighty, mighty instruments in the hands of God. Precision instruments in the hands of God. A God, when he says, where are you? We should be able to hear and say, here I am. When God says, will you go? We should be able to say, yes, I will. And then we have a mind and a body who aligns with the will of God and obeys him and obeys him to the uttermost. I pray, Father, you will raise a generation here of young men and women and older men and women who will consecrate themselves once again at the altar and say, Lord, here I am. Choose me. Discipline me. Disciple me that I might be your hands and feet on earth. That my ears will hear when you say. My tongue will know what to speak because... You have given me the tongue of the instructor. And when I go through abuse, when I go through trials, when I go through tribu- tribulations because of the evil of men, I will not turn my back away as one rebellious. But I will offer my back to them because my face, O oh God, is towards you and you alone, O oh God. Help me, Lord. Help us. Help us to walk with you. And to redeem the time. Redeem the time. For the days are evil. Redeem the time. As we go into another week, another month, I pray, Lord, help us to walk with you. Not to be late, not to lag behind, but to walk beside you, step by step, as a son walks beside the father, as a daughter walks beside her father, her mother. Help us to walk beside you. Because your goal is always righteousness. For you lead us in paths of righteousness for your namesake, O Lord. Lead us through this new month, Lord, for your namesake. So that we shall be called as sons and daughters of the Most High. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I bless your people in your name. May the blessing of the living God rest upon them and pursue them. Through this week, through this month, and may the healing hand of God rest upon families and heal them of their infirmities. And may the protecting hand of God cover them and keep them safe from every attack, every while of the devil. Keep your people, Lord, close to you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.